Thank you, ladies. What a wonderful job. That got us, that kind of gets you woken. I can't even talk today. Wakened. <laughs> Look, let's stand and shake hands. Make sure your neighbor's awake, all right? Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. <clears throat> it is... It is good to see you today. We know that it made a, you had to make a special effort to get up and come to church this morning, didn't you? With the weather forecast, with losing the hours, sleep and everything, uh, but we're, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Michael Brandon, one of our deacons, is going to come lead us in the opening prayer. And then Susan Carver has an announcement on behalf of the GAs. There's an insert in your bulletin that you might want to look at while she's giving the announcement. In an effort to inform you a little bit more about our deacons, uh, Michael's a very industrious person. Over the years, he's been a very hard worker. Uh, That started young in his life. He started out working in a pet store uh, when he was a teenager. And uh, there was a lady in the community uh, that her car was leaking oil real bad, and somebody told her to go to the pet store and get a big bag of cat litter. So she did that. Mike sold her the bag of cat litter. And she went home and threw it out, of course, in the carport and driveway, and it soaked up the oil. But it did such a good job. She was so amazed that the next day uh, she went back and got another big bag of cat litter. And Mike, trying to be very helpful to the lady, he said, Ma'am, if I was you, I'd put that cat outside. I don't know how many is left in that joke book, but we've got to find it and tear some of the pages out. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just say thank you again for laughter, Lord, uh, allowing us to be able to uh, enjoy, enjoy your presence here today, Lord, in this house. Lord, just be with us as we go through the next hour of service, Lord, and just be with Herbert and allow him to bring forth the message that you have put on his heart, Lord. Lord, just be with each one of us this week as we go out, allow us to have a good week, Lord, and uh, just shine your light to everyone we meet, Lord, and just be with those that are not feeling well, those that are shut in, Lord, just uh, touch them and heal them and comfort them in the only, the only, only way that you can, Lord. Lord, just again, just be with us as we go out and let us shine your light on everybody we meet. All these things I ask on Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I just wanted everyone to prayerfully consider helping the RAs and GAs with a mission fundraiser they're having start uh, next Sunday. We're going to label bottles, bottles of water, and we're going to have them in boxes, and the RAs and GAs are going to help pass these bottles of water out. And we ask that you put your loose change in it, collect it for a week, and return it back the next Sunday. And this money is going to go towards uh, Reverend Brian Hager, who's battling ALS, and his wife, Wendy, and their three children. So if you would, consider helping us with this mission project. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. And again, those will be passed out next Sunday, okay?
<laughs> only at a Baptist church, y'all, only at a Baptist church. That is a very good mission project. Uh, many of you are familiar with Brian. Uh, Brian was the pastor at uh, Bethany Baptist Church before he was diagnosed with ALS. And they have uh, three children, uh, eight and younger. So um, this is a very worthy mission project in a very small way that we can help that family. Um, several other things I want to mention. This week, uh, the, of course, Sunday night program, uh, the youth the adults, and also the Awanas will meet this evening. Uh, there's a group that left just a few minutes ago to go down to the Pillar Church in Jacksonville, and in our prayer time, we want to remember them and safety in their travel, but this is a one-day mission trip. Uh, also, I want to remind the men's choir. Men's choir has begun to practice again, and they will be practicing tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here at the church. Also, the exercise classes during the week, the Bible studies, one on Tuesday night, one on Wednesday morning. Uh, also, the music committee will meet uh, at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night, and the missions groups will meet uh, on this Wednesday night, as well as the younger women's Bible study and the adult Bible study and the adult choir practice. Uh, also, we have begun the Easter drama practice. Uh, I'm sure that if you would like to volunteer, if you hadn't yet, but you see that that would work into your schedule, uh, I'm sure that Tommy Jean Evans would be glad to give you a part, and that will be Thursday night at 7 o'clock. On the back of the bulletin, some dates. Two weeks from today, we begin the spring revival. Reverend Tim Bowes will be coming to lead us in that. Please be lifting him up in prayer. A uh, couple of other inserts that you have, the um, youth fundraiser, the barbecue, that will be uh, on April the 22nd. But if you want to go ahead and fill out the form so that they'll know how much meat to prepare, that would be greatly appreciated. And also Vacation Bible School. Summer will be here before we know it, and it can't get here fast enough, in my opinion, okay? But um, if you would like to volunteer for Vacation Bible School, please fill out this form, Jenny. And Stacy are going to be uh, our uh, co-directors, as they were last year, and we're going to need plenty of help. Also, on the back of your bulletin, there's a notice about um, Carol Clayton, our Sunday school director, has uh, been asked to start another young couples class. And if, um, if you or your spouse would be interested in attending the class, please let Carol know his telephone number is listed on the back also. Um, we have received thank you cards from Liz Cole, the family of Benny Clayton, Marvin and Pam Giles, Jeff Norman and Sheila Clayton, the family of Sam Oakley and Susan uh, Gentry, and they are placed on the bulletin board for, for you to see. This morning, uh, let me correct some things on the prayer list. Um, Jan Bowes will have uh, outpatient surgery tomorrow at Duke. Uh, Joyce Wren will have a bone marrow biopsy done on Wednesday. Please pray for her that there will be a good report. You know, that she's been battling leukemia now for almost two years. Um, Kristen Christensen uh, is Carlton Ford's granddaughter. She was involved in an accident, but she has gone home from Duke. We've got Wayne Solomon at Roxborough Hospital, but he is still at Duke. We thought that he was going to be transferred Friday to Roxborough, but he's got to stay a couple more days at Duke, so please remember Wayne at Duke. 
at Person Memorial, Edna Blalock, who had surgery uh, this past weekend, uh, Mary Riley, Annie Mae Tuck has gone back to Roxburgh Nursing Center. That is Margie Walker's mother. And Donald Wilson is there. Please remember Donald. Uh, Claire Clayton Peewee is supposed to have surgery Tuesday at North Carolina Specialties Hospital. Uh, continue to remember Anna Lee Holt and Roxburgh Healthcare, Joe Lee and Salisbury. And we've been asking you to remember in prayer uh, Stan Harris's sister and brother-in-law. They were involved in a wreck. Uh, his sister Judy Downs has come home from the hospital, but the brother-in-law, John, is still in the hospital in Dover, Delaware. So please, please remember them in prayer. At home, Nancy Bowles, who's been undergoing some heart tests, Weldon and Helen Bowes, uh, Lisa Brooks, Doug and Linda Carver, Faye Carver, Elma Clayton, Ibby Clayton, Jean Clayton, Edith Clayton, who had eye surgery this past week, Lenny Clayton, Liz Cole, Renee Gentry, uh, Reverend Brian Hager that we mentioned earlier, Larry Honeycutt, Desiree Jones, uh, Rosa Mae Lewis, Lillian Oakley, who had surgery this past Monday, who is back at home, and Susan Clayton's mother, Alice Pittard, uh, had surgery, eye surgery this past Monday also. Please remember her. Wanda Robertson, uh, her surgery has been scheduled for April the 12th, so please remember that date, especially for her. Uh, Dawson Schull, Geraldine Solomon, Matthew Thornburg, Brenda Stegall, Barbara Winstead, Texie Wren, Rick Wilbert, Charles Wo Westbrook, Donna Wilburn, Pam Wren, and Mary Zimmerman. And again, please remember the group that has gone on the missions trip and our spring revival. It starts two weeks from today. So let us pray together. Yes. Huel Clayton. Okay. And where is he at? He is at home. Okay. Okay, Huel Clayton, that is Scott Clayton's dad, who is at home. Let's join together then as we pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that we can have a time of prayer for others. Lord, so often we feel helpless as we, as we're around those that are suffering from sicknesses and illnesses, and God when we're around folks that are grieving so often we don't know what to say or what to do but God I thank you that we can pray and God I pray not only for the ones that we've called by name but all that are listed on the prayer list God I pray for those sitting in the congregation this morning who have great needs that that perhaps have not been outwardly mentioned but Lord deep down within hearts there are people that need to be lifted up and God, we just pray that you would bless all the needs of our church family and our community. Be with those who will have surgeries this coming week. May all go well. God, be with those recovering from surgery. Be with those continuing to take uh, treatments for cancer and other illnesses. God, for families that are hurting in various ways, Lord, please just bless them. God, there's so much friction and tension in our world today. We just pray for your peace, Lord. Um, guard our hearts and minds and our homes and our marriages and our churches and our workplaces and, Lord, our world. And, God, because many have lost loved ones in recent weeks, we pray for your comforting spirit to continue 
to minister to them. God, we are so unworthy to come before you, but we thank you that you, you invite us to come to you when we're heavy laden. Thank you, Lord, for the rest that you do give us. Father, please bless these church services today, not only at our church, but churches around the world. And God, in a world of darkness, may the light of Jesus Christ shine not only through this church, but through each and every individual member. And as we await the return of your son, Father, please help us to be found busy and to be found faithful. Lord, thank you for the Sunday school hour that we'll have. God, how we pray that all of us would hunger and thirst to know the word of God, knowing that you have given us the privilege, Lord, of having your word and of studying that word. And God, again, whatever need each person has in this moment, Father, please, please meet those needs. Thank you for the bell ringers and all others, Lord, who provide music and in preparation for worship, God. And we just ask again that everything we do would be done for your honor and glory. And as we pray together, we remember the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our verse of the month comes from Matthew 24, verse 42. Let's say this together. Watch therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. I know a lot of our children aren't here this morning, but we're still going to have the children's moment, and I'm going to invite the children that are here to come down to the front. As they come down, it has been brought to my attention that we have a couple that celebrated an anniversary, I believe, on Friday. And it was 66 years. Is that right, Christine? I'm going to ask you because I know Willie, the man, never remembers how many. Was it 66 years? 66 years ago, y'all got married. What'd you get Christine for our anniversary? <laughs> never, never mind, I wasn't supposed to ask that, and it's none of my business, is it, Willie? Yeah. Well, happy anniversary to you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard, you know, a number one value meal at. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we just walk around and we act like we're not hurting, don't we? But they do. Well, 
you don't get hurt. <laughs> They're awake. Yeah. You know. Look, I'm going to read you another story out of the early reader Bible stories. Okay, this is one of my favorite Bible story books. And what I'm going to be preaching about for a number of weeks now is about Jesus coming back again. And the reason we know that Jesus is coming back again is because he told us that he would. But you remember, we taught, you've been taught by your parents and Sunday school teachers and also by the preacher that Jesus died on the cross. But you remember what happened after he died on the cross? Remember? They buried him. You remember that in the tomb? And guess what happened? You remember what happened on the third day? <coughs> he came back alive. Give me five, and You all caught that, brother. I'm telling you, that's exactly right. And you know what's so important about that? That proved that Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. And that even death could not hold him back. But here's a story, and the story is found in the Gospel of Luke and also in Acts chapter 1 about Jesus going back to heaven. And you see, and I, I'll read this and then so just a couple of times. Okay, Jesus led his followers a little way out of town. Jesus prayed for his followers, and while he was praying, he started to rise up into heaven. Then a cloud hid him from his followers. As everyone was standing there staring up into heaven, two angels appeared beside them and said, Jesus has been taken away from you and gone into heaven. He will come back in the clouds just like he went away. How many of you have seen the Easter drama? You remember at the end what happens with Jesus? He ascends back into heaven. And that's so important for us to understand that when Jesus died, he was buried three days, he rose again, and he was with his followers for, Luke tells us, 40 days, and then he ascended back into heaven. But guess what? One day he's coming back. We don't know when that day is going to come, but he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to take us home to be with him in heaven. Okay? All right? And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what my sermons are going to be about. Okay? And so I hope that it's going to help all of us learn a little bit more about when Jesus comes back for us. Okay? Thank you guys for coming to church today. Let's say a prayer together. Okay? All right? Jesus, thank you for our children. Thank you, Lord, for every person who comes to our church, who comes to your church. And God, as we live each day, help us to be assured that just as Jesus died on the cross for us and rose again from the grave, that he's going to come back for us. And God, help us to serve you and live for Jesus each day until he comes back. Bless the children throughout the week and keep them safe in your care. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Y'all can go back to your seats. Good morning. Join us now as we worship in song with hymn number 601. If everyone would stand, please.
Now, we're accustomed to the men's choir singing that song, isn't it? Because they sing some of the older songs. But I asked Fran and the music committee if they would use that song today. If we've gotten, and I'm not, this not being critical of, of not using hymn books, because I know for many of you it's easier to see the words on the overhead and you don't have to hold this heavy book. But many, many of the hymns were inspired by scripture passages. And the scripture passage that inspired I'll Fly Away is 1 Thessalonians 4.17, the passage that we're going to begin reading today and studying. And that passage says, Then we who are still alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. If we believe the word of God, one day we will fly away. Amen. Stan, would you lead us, please? Amen.
Thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you for the hours you guys spend in practice. Thank you for sharing the music today with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, even though we lost an hour of sleep, thank you that you didn't because you do not slumber nor sleep. Thank you, Father, that you are just as alert and awake, and you're here to speak to us from your word. And so I pray, Father, that you'll give us open ears and minds and open hearts, that we will allow the word of God, the words of your Son, the words of the inspired writers of Scripture, we would allow these words, Lord, to teach us about your return. God, I just thank you for each person who faithfully comes to this place. God, I pray that these moments in worship services will never be to honor our church or honor us or to just give our ideas about the Word of God and about you. But, God, I pray that these would be moments in which we let the Spirit of God take control of our gathering and we would let you speak our hearts about who you are, what you have done for us, what you're planning to do for us. And we thank you, Father, that you are faithful. And we pray that we have faith enough to believe that what you have promised, you will do. Please, Lord, speak the truth through me this day by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the honor and glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. A number of years ago, I was at a business in Roxborough, and one of the ladies uh, there was in her 70s, and I'm saying that to kind of just give you a time frame in this. And uh, she asked me if I preached on the second coming very often, and I said, well, to be quite honest with you, I don't. I don't feel uh, very uh, well prepared to preach about Jesus' return. And she said, well, you know, that's one of the differences in the world today. She said when she was a child and her parents took her to church that practically every Sunday the preacher would talk about Jesus was coming again and that we should be ready and we should be living for Jesus. And she said that as a young person, when she left the church all Sunday afternoon, she was scared that maybe Jesus was coming back that afternoon. And so she was giving me a side of it that I really had not seen that, that you know, so often we, we are intimidated by the fact that Jesus is coming back. And folks, I want to point something out from the beginning of, of these messages. My job is to share with you the word of God. And I pray that if you have not yet trusted Christ as your Savior, you'll not be intimidated by these messages, but you will be led to examine the claims of Christ, and you'll trust him as your Lord and Savior. And I pray that these messages, if you are a believer, as Christians, we need to know that our Lord is coming back, and we need to understand that he wants us to be found faithful in serving him. And folks, don't put it off. Let's serve Jesus today and tomorrow and how many more years we've got. And, and folks, I'm not up here as a preacher telling you I have, I have to make the same decisions you do on a day-to-day basis to live for Jesus or not. And I'm afraid that so often 
and I include myself in this group, we're tempted to take a day off from serving the Lord. And sometimes a day leads to a week, to a month, to a year. And sometimes before we know it, our lifetime is almost spent and we haven't done very much to honor the Lord. And I pray that as we think about his, his return, that we'll be found faithful. Before I read the passage of Scripture, I want to I say some things, okay? Number one, I want to remind us of the five reasons that we've given. These are not the only reasons, but five reasons that we have given that we should believe that Jesus is coming again. And let me just read those to you again. They're going to be on the overhead. Chris, if you'll go to that, please. The five reasons that we should believe that Jesus is coming again. Number one, the entire word of God deals with God's holiness, with man's sin, with God's plan of redemption through Christ, which includes Jesus' second coming. And something that you and I must understand and we must believe and we must put into practice is that the return of Jesus Christ is a part of the plan of God. And it's going to happen just like all the other things that God has promised will happen. It's going to happen. Number two, the promises of Jesus throughout the gospel. Again, Chris, if you'll go to that next one, thank you. The promises of Jesus. Folks, I'm just simply up here trying to tell you what Jesus has said, what the word of God says. In the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you and I have studied in these last several weeks, Jesus promises that he will come again. A third reason to believe that Jesus is coming again is the testimony of the angels. You remember, we don't have the scripture, but I want to read it to you again. Uh, after Jesus had spent 40 days with his disciples, he ascended back into heaven. And as he was ascending into heaven, while the disciples were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And folks, that's the promise of the angels. And as you and I, I want you to keep this in mind because Jesus ascended into heaven and the angel said he's going to come back just like he ascended. How did he ascend? On a cloud. How's he coming back? On a cloud. That's what it says in First Thessalonians that we're getting ready to read. A fourth reason we can believe in the coming again of Jesus is the vision that God gave the Apostle Paul in the Revelation. And folks, I'll remind you again that that book is for all of us very difficult to understand. But beginning from the first verse in Revelations chapter 1, listen to what John writes. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. And he has made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. The book of Revelation is a vision of the return not only of the second coming but to rapture the church, but also all of the other things that will unfold in the return of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Revelation itself is one of the reasons why we should believe in the soon coming again of our Lord. And a fifth one is a fifth reason to believe in the return of Jesus is the testimony of the Holy Spirit not only in the inspired writings of the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament, but the Holy Spirit of God witnesses in our heart that he is coming back. 
And folks, I truly believe that if we've been born again, we've got this sense about us that we know that he's coming back for us. But before we look at 1 Thessalonians, I want to just deal with a couple of questions, okay? Because what we're going to begin on today is how the Word of God tells us that the Lord will return and the end of time will unfold. And the first question that we need to deal with is this. Can you and I fully understand all that is going to happen? And the answer to that is no. And let me explain to you why I say no, okay? And I want to read verses out of Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 11. And look at these on the overhead. I hope, again, you'll just jot these verses down and you'll read them at home and, and you'll study them. And in verse 6, listen to the invitations are encouragements in this verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. But listen to verse 8 and following. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as is the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And folks, what I get from that is that if we understood everything that God was going to do, if we had a perfect knowledge, then we would be God. But folks, that's another reason to help us understand that God's way is a way that we cannot fully understand because we cannot have the mind of God because we are not God. I hope that made sense what I just said. But listen to verse 10 and following. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and return not thither, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater... And here's what I wanted to build up to the whole point in this is verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void. It shall accomplish that which I propose or purpose and prosper in the thing which I sent it. And folks, what God is saying through Isaiah is this. If God speaks a word, it will happen. And just think for just a few minutes. How did creation happen? God said, let there be. In the ministry of Jesus, there were times when Jesus only had to speak and people were healed. Storms were were calmed. I've missed my hour of sleep too, to be honest with y'all, okay? And, And the dead came back to life. Folks, listen, if God speaks it, it's going to happen. And God has said his word would not return empty. This book is not some type of spiritual joke. It is the God-inspired truth. And if it is spoken in this word or written in this word, then it's going to happen. And folks, I read those verses out of Isaiah for you and I to understand this. Now is the time. If you have not yet trusted Christ as your Savior, now is the time to turn in repentance and faith to him. We don't know when he's going to return, perhaps as sooner than we could ever imagine. And for believers, for Christians, for the church, now is the time to be found faithful and preparing for his return. 
And a third thing, now is the time to believe the word of God. Jesus is coming back. One Bible scholar has written, if we seek for scriptures on the second coming, we will find them literally jumping out at us from almost every chapter in the New Testament. He is coming back. And that's the message of the New Testament, along with the message that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And he's coming again. So, folks, we're not going to be able to understand it all because this is a God thing. And we're still finite humans. There's a second question that I want to address very quickly. When will this return of Jesus happen? And let me read to you the words of Jesus himself from Matthew 24, verse 36 and following, okay? Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. Now remember, he's speaking as the earthly man, Jesus. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. I done read that. Will you go to the next one? I'm sorry, Chris. Then two men will be in the field. One is taken, one is left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One is taken, one is left. You remember that series, uh, Left Behind? And I think the point that Jesus is saying here is that when Jesus comes again in the rapture, that there will be those taken because of their faith and there will be those left behind because they did not believe. And folks, again, when you start putting this all together, it begins to make a whole lot more sense, doesn't it? But Jesus in verse 42 says, Watch therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if a householder, if you'll go, Chris, to the next one, but know this, that if a householder had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have left his ho- let his house be broken in. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And so, folks, what is Jesus trying to tell us here? Well, let's wait for just a second before we go any farther. Why does he use the example of Noah and the flood? Because the people in Noah's day did not believe the message that God had given Noah that he was coming back again. And the flood came. And folks, if the world says he's not coming back, well, you know what? It ain't dependent upon what we think. It's dependent upon what the Lord says. And God has said through his word, God has said through his son, God has said through the angelic beings, God has said through the apocalypse or the book of Revelation, he is coming again. But now I want to point something out that I think all of us know. Be careful that we don't foolishly set dates when he's coming. And that has been done. And since I have been here as your pastor, and I've got this little leaflet that was sent to me, and I'm sure many pastors across America, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to make fun or be sarcastic toward the person that wrote this, but 
this leaflet says that Jesus is coming on October the 28th, 1992. And it was written, this was mailed out in 1988. And this man predicted that Jesus was going to come back on October the 28th, 1992. I've kept this as a reminder to myself that, again, this is a God thing. God's got that date and that time scheduled. And if you and I simply blow it off and say, well, he hadn't come, so I don't, I don't know if he's coming or not. Folks, if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And even Jesus said, as a man, he didn't know when. So, folks, I've taken all that time to just set all of this up. How will the end time and the return of Jesus unfold? And, Chris, if you'll go to the next slide. The first event in the, re- in the coming again of our Lord is going to be the rapture of the church. And the rapture of the church can be defined as when Christ shall return in the air and take his church to heaven. Now, folks, I want to I wanna just share this with you, and, and we're going to run out of time. This is going to take a good, a good many Sundays, okay? And hopefully, I'm going to read the scripture to you in just a minute. I hope that you'll go home and, and you'll, you'll read this in the privacy of your home. I want you to know I'm not concocting my own story on this. I'm trying to be as close to the word of God as possible. But I also am using some help that I want to share with you real quickly because I don't want you to think that I'm not a smart person. But God has given me an understanding of the return of his son. Will Burnett, many of you remember Will. Will has gone on to glory. He and Lillian. But there was a book that he wanted me to have. It's called Seven Simple Sermons on the Second Coming of Christ. This book was actually first printed back in 1948. And the pastor that wrote this, his name was uh, Herschel Ford. And he pastored out in Texas. And, and I'm not going to preach his sermons over, but this is one of the best resources that I've, I've ever come across for helping me to understand what will happen as the end of time unfolds. There's another booklet, and Elma Clayton actually gave me this. It's entitled, What, what Can We Know About End Times? And you remember uh, Radio uh, Bible Ministries, um, uh, I think it was Martin DeHaan that used to come on. This was one of the books that he wrote about the end times. It's very brief. But these two books say the same thing. I'm going to be looking at... And Warren Wiersbe, whom y'all know that I love his writings, the Bible Knowledge Commentary, the Full Life Bible Study. And all of these things have notes. I hope you can order this book, I believe, this Seven Simple Sermons on the Second Coming on, um, what is it called, Amazon, Amazon Amazon.com. I always thought that was a jungle. But anyway, folks, what I'm saying The most important thing we're going to use is this right here, the Word of God. We're going to run out of time today, but let me read these verses to you out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm going to be reading these verses out of the Living Bible, okay? But if you want to go to a passage of Scripture that speaks about the coming again of Christ, listen to this. 
And before I read these verses, let me kind of prepare us for what these verses are about. You know that Paul was instrumental in starting a number of churches, and the church in Thessalonica had been one of the churches that he had been a part in getting started. And God would lead him to other fields of ministry, and and he would leave, but a lot of times he would leave some of his ministry associates, such as young Timothy or, or, or others that would stay and help pastor churches. And a lot of times, because... Christianity was new. All these things that they were sharing, and the only thing they had was the Old Testament. A lot of things that, that, that these preachers and that Paul was sharing, it was new to these folks, and they didn't fully understand it. And let me tell you what basically brought on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Both in First and Second Thessalonians, which are very brief books, the return of Jesus Christ is the prominent theme. But as, as people that were believers in that church began to die, these Christians got upset. They thought Jesus was coming back before anybody would die. They thought Jesus was coming back immediately. And as people began to die, they started asking Timothy and others so that they would in turn ask Paul, when we have a loved one that dies, what happens to them? If Christ has not come back, What happens to these people that have died in the faith? And listen to what Paul writes under the influence of the Spirit of God. I'm going to again read this out of the Living Bible. And now, dear brothers, I want you to know that what happens to a Christian when he dies, so that when it happens, you will not be full of sorrow as those who have no hope. For since we believe... Again, thank you, Chris. For since we believe that Jesus died and then came back to life again. Let me tell you what Paul is doing. Everything that we believe is based on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to this earth, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. Amen? I mean, Jesus is alive. We're not talking about a dead religious hero. We're talking about the Son of God who conquered death, who died on the cross for our sin, who ascended back into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God right now. Regardless of what people think about Jesus, he is with God the Father in heaven. And if you don't believe that, read Revelations chapter 5. That's where he is at. And again, that's why the book of Revelation takes on such great importance as it, as it helps us understand, after Jesus died and was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, he is still there. He is still in control. Let me get back on track, okay? For since we believe that Jesus died and then came back to life again, we can also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him all the Christians who have died. And I know some of you have already approached me about, wait a minute, what does all of this mean? How's Jesus going to catch up people out of the world? How's he going to bring back with him those people that have already gone to heaven? Why Why do they have to have a body if their spirit is going to be with the Lord? And folks, there's a lot of questions that we're going to try and answer, okay? This is why this is going to take quite a while. But Paul says, God will bring back with him all the Christians who have died. So, listen to this. The Christians that have died, they're safe in Jesus' hands. Their spirit is already going to be with the Lord. First, uh, second, 
Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's just so much in this, okay? When Jesus comes back, he's going to, these people that have already died and gone to heaven, he's going to give them a glorified body to, to, to be in heaven with him forever. And that's described in 1 Corinthians 15. Folks, this gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But as the Spirit of God unveils this to us, I hope we'll understand more and more and more. But let me get back. God will bring with him all the Christians who have died. Then verse 15. And listen to this. I love this verse. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. If you got the King James Version, that first phrase in verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. The Revised Standard says, for this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. God had given Paul a special understanding of the return of Christ in the rapture, and he'd given Paul a special understanding of what had happened to Christians who had already died. And Paul is basing everything that he's telling because he has heard it from the Lord. God has told him this. And I believe that's why we can believe that this is the truth. Because this is not the works of Paul. This is the works of God through the Holy Spirit of God. But listen to what he says, verse 15, that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not uh, rise to meet them ahead of those who are in the graves. The dead in Christ will first be raised. Then the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a mighty shout, with a soul-steering cry, the archangel, the great trumpet call of God. The believers who are dead will be the first to rise to meet the Lord. And then listen to this, verse 17. Then we who are alive shall remain uh, and remain on the earth, shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. Now, again, can we fully understand all this? Nope. But are we going to try and ask God to let us understand more and more about this? Folks, here's the picture I get of this. Jesus is coming back, no doubt about it. He's going to come in the clouds like he promised, like the angels promised. The dead that have died are going to, their spirit, his soul is going to come back with him. Their body is going to be resurrected and they're going to be given a resurrected body. That's what, again, Paul says in the latter part of 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll study this, okay? But the Christians that are on the earth shall be caught up to be with the Lord. And we shall be, as Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. And we'll be given resurrected bodies that will be able to exist in heaven with God the Father and God the Son throughout eternity. I hope and pray that you'll pray for me as I try and prepare these messages. Because I want to tell you the absolute truth from the word of God. I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you, I don't want to give you what I've been taught by somebody else. I want to give you what I believe God Almighty has promised. And he has promised he's going to send his son back. I'm not trying to scare you or intimidate you. But I'll be honest, as Christians, don't we need to be wakened? Don't we need to have something to inspire us to live for Christ? Folks, listen. Our testimony for the Lord is either leading people to Christ or leading people away from Christ. God has placed us in the path of many, preparing them for eternity through the witness that you and I can give 
to them. And may God help us to do it. Look, it took me a long time to do very little this morning, but next week we're going to look into this passage of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4. I ask you to read this at home. If you've got a study Bible, read the notes. Folks, this is very, very powerful passage of Scripture. Let us pray. Father, God, unless you are here in our midst, unless your spirit is helping us understand the word of God, these, these sermons, these readings from the word of God will be in vain. But God, please open our hearts and our minds to receive your word, not the opinion of, of Herbert Brown or the opinion of other preachers and Bible teachers, but God, help us to hear what you're trying to tell us from your word. Thank you, Lord, for how you've spoken to others and help them understand. And I pray, Father, that you'll help me understand. And God, thank you that on that day, because we are your sheep, we'll know your voice. And we'll know that you're calling out to us to come be with you for eternity. But Father, I pray for those that have not yet recognized your voice speaking to them, saying, come to me. And let me save you. God, I pray that as we study the second coming, that if there are those that will be here that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that, God, you'll speak to their heart and lead them, Lord, to trust your Son as their personal Savior. God, please help us to learn more and more of the truth of the Word of God in preparation for one day meeting you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 607. Again, it's one of the old, old hymns. But what a day that will be when we see Jesus. If God is leading you to make a public decision, would you come? Let us stand.
Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come in your house today, and we just ask that you take the words that you have shared with us through Herbert's words, that we do know the second coming is, is on its way, but Lord, if we accept you as our Lord and Savior, then we know we'll be with you in heaven. Lord, be with all who are mentioned on the prayer list. Be with us as we go into the fellowship time that we will enjoy that with each other. And then be with us in Sunday school. And also be with the second service that they'll open their hearts to your message. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.